If you've got your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 14. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 14. We're going to begin reading at verse number 22. And on this last Sunday of 2018, I want to talk to you for just a few minutes on this subject, finishing faith. A faith that finishes finishing faith. Matthew chapter number 14. As you're finding that, I want you to lend me for just a minute your imagination. It's the Olympic Games and it's 1968 in Mexico City. It's where the Olympics was held that year. And in those Olympic Games in 1968, the marathon is the final event at the Olympics. After that's the closing ceremonies. The Olympic Stadium is packed. People are screaming. There's excitement in the air. They running the last event, the marathon, and all of a sudden an Ethiopian runner comes running into the stadium. Everybody's screaming. The crowd erupts as he crosses the finish line. But somewhere way back in the field, a man by the name of John Stephen Akware of Tanzania is in last place. He's been passed and eclipsed by all the other runners. And after 18 and a half miles, he literally collapsed on to the ground. His head's throbbing, his muscles are aching. Uh, he's got serious leg injuries. He scrapes up his knees when he falls to the ground. The officials come and help him back to his feet and they beg him to... Uh, retire, to stop, to just quit the race. He has them patch and put a, knee, a bandage back on his knee. And Aquare begins that painful last eight miles, hobbling, walking, crawling, whatever it takes to finish. And finally, an hour and a half after the winner crosses the finish line, he enters the stadium. All but a few have already gone. Fans are not there cheering anymore. The place is quiet. A quarry moves around the track at a snail's pace, but finally he collapses over the finish line. One of the most heroic efforts of Olympic history. Several hours later, he was interviewed by a reporter, and that reporter asked him, why in the world didn't he simply drop out? He had no chance of winning the race. Everybody else had crossed the line. All the medals had already been given out. And Aquari replied to that reporter, and listen to this church, my country did not send me to start a race. It sent me to finish one. I want to share something with you this morning. God did not send us to start a race. And it is a race. He sent us to finish one. Matthew chapter number 14, beginning at verse number 22, the Bible records these words. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. 
But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. There was a storm that arose. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out in fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and called him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we gather before you as a people of God, broken, sick, hearts sadness. Lord, and no doubt there's many here rejoicing. So God, all of those experiences we gather before you. Lord, and simply ask you this morning to take this word that we've read. And God, help us to see that no matter where we are right now in the moment, that God, you've called us to be in this race of life. And you didn't call us just to start that thing. But you called us to finish it. And by your power, with faith in the Son of God, the one whose birthday we celebrated just this past week, you'll get us to the finish line for our good and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul wrote in Philippians chapter number three, not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And let those of you who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. I believe I could paraphrase that and say Paul's saying, don't stop, <laughs> don't quit. Finish what you started in the faith. We've obtained Christ. Now let's finish the race by spending our entire life until he calls us to go home with him in heaven by us now trying to Obtain Christ. We're obtaining what we have already obtained. Paul said this one thing I do. We say it, we mean it. But I'm, I'm a realist and hopefully you are too. I mean, you can't look around you and change the structure of reality. We say this one thing I do and then we walk out of the doors of this church. We leave our prayer closet. We stop... Uh, uh, you know, the, the daily Bible study and we close our Bible and we get on with life and then bam, right in the middle of that thing, life takes hold, does it not? 
I had a good friend, you've heard me talk about him. His name's Raymond Spain. It's my mom and daddy's pastor. And one day I was talking to him and uh, was telling him about, uh, you know, it's frustrating. You go to somebody and you share the gospel with somebody. And, you know, perhaps that person responds positively to the gospel. Uh, perhaps they don't. Perhaps they just listen to what you say, though, and they seem to take it in. Maybe you invite them to come to the house of God to gather with the, the people of God, and they say, yes, I'll, I'll see you Sunday. I'll be there. Well, Sunday comes and Sunday goes. And they ain't nowhere in sight. And I'm going to tell you what, for somebody who wants to see lives changed and wants to see glorif God glorified, that can be frustrating. But Raymond told me this. He said, Keith, when that happens, you've got to stop thinking that that person was telling you a lie. That when in that moment when they told you, yes, I'll see you Sunday, when they said, yes, I've received Christ, there's been a change take place in my heart. They mean it with all of their heart, but immediately upon you walking out that door, you turning around and walking the other way, the devil goes to work on them and he's working overtime and he's doing it double time and he begins to take a toll on that decision that they made. And we've got to understand that as the, as the people of God, that the devil is not only working on those people, but you can rest assured today that if you make a decision today, if you make a commitment today, if you decide to do anything today for the glory of God, that the devil's going to get into overtime, working double time to keep you from doing what you have committed to do. And we've got to understand that. And we need a faith that finishes, a faith that keeps on going. In just a couple of days, all across the country, there's going to be people starting their New Year's resolution. I heard this the other day, and it's kind of cute, but it's probably uh, got a lot of truth to it. A New Year's resolution ain't anything but a to-do list for the first two weeks of January. Amen? For most people. But there are going to be people that are going to start things, and they're going to start with enthusiasm, and they're going to mean that thing, but somewhere along the way, they're going to get sidetracked. And in this life of faith that we live, every one of us have an experience of starting something, but not finishing that thing. Maybe you've resolved to read the Bible through in a year. If you'll remember, almost a year ago to the day, I stood up here and laid out before you a plan that in one year, if you would make that commitment, that you could read the entire Word of God. And I still believe today that the most important thing we can do as a people of God is individually commit ourselves to opening up the Word of God, reading the Word of God, and then obeying that Word of God every single day of our life. Well, I'm not going to have a show of hands on who finished that thing. Here before you today, I have... Two plans on how to read the Word of God. One plan is pretty much the same as last year. It's a chronological reading through the Word of God in a year. The difference is, remember how last year we were going to start in the New Testament? Well, this one starts in Genesis. It ought to be easy for you because we've been going through Genesis and we ought to know the stories and be very familiar with them. So starting in Genesis, chronologically going through the Word of God. Plan number two. The easy plan, five minutes a day, five days a week, read through the New Testament of the Word of God in one year. Just simply five minutes a day, five days a week. 
Now, you probably already know I'm calling for a commitment today. I don't believe in people coming to the house of God and the preacher standing up and not challenging them to do something before they leave. So I'm calling you today to, you may have not got it right last time, but the good news is, and we're going to see that here, is that God doesn't quit on us even when we quit on Him. And He's still working and He's still doing so that we can finish what we started. Maybe you were going to give up a destructive or a sinful habit. To be generous, to start tithing or giving sacrificially to the work of God. Many years ago, I don't know how many because it was long before I came, but many years ago, Zion agreed, purpose to build this thing called a family life center uh, so that people in the community would have a place to come. Maybe could have a sports program where you'd be a gateway into the, into the church where teams of basketball players would come. And, of course, you know how they are about them little five-year-old basketball players. They can't play basketball, but mom and daddy think they can. And they'll, play, they'll come from all around to watch them things uh, take place. So we could get them in here and share them, the, uh, give the gospel to them. And, and hopefully some of those mamas and daddies would come to know Christ. We've got to ask ourselves how we're going to finish that thing if we purposed it and started it in the days ahead. Maybe you're the young person that resolved that you're going to stop doing things with your body and with your mind that dishonor the Lord and you're going to make a change and you're going to begin to wait on that man or that woman, that boy, that girl that God's got for you. And you've not exactly done that right this year. Maybe you're that person that knows that you need to quit coming to church and sitting on a pew every Sunday and hearing the Word of God spoken and fellowshipping with the people of God, but it's time that you stepped out on faith and uh, listen, don't say I don't have a gift to be used of God because if that's true, God's a liar. Every person that has been saved by the grace of God has been gifted to do the work of God in some way, so maybe you said I'm going to find that place and You've not yet done it. Well, finish well. Today's the day you can start. Today I just want to talk about that, finishing faith, because it's not just making the decision that counts with God. It's seeing that decision through to the end. You see, God didn't send us here to start the race, but to finish it. In Matthew 14, we've got this story about a person who faltered in his, you know the story of Peter. I'm not going to spend a lot of time. I mean, oh, good old Peter, he said a lot of things, but he wasn't always good at following up on them, was he? I mean, hey, Lord, I'll follow you all the way, even if it's to the point of death, and nothing will cause me to turn my back on you. I mean, that's what happened, right? I mean, Peter would say things, but then he'd not always follow through with those things. Kind of sounds like us, does it not? Well, today we read a story where Peter says, Hey, Lord, hey, Jesus, if that's you, I'll walk on water. Well, then he gets out of the boat and things don't go exactly as he planned. He left the church. He left the prayer room. He closed the Bible and then life takes over. That's not unique to Peter and what we read in the Word of God. It's true of every one of us as well. So... We can learn something about that finishing faith from this story that we read today. I want to share with you just a few of them today. Number one, 
Faith leads a person through the storm, not around it. Now, church, if you get this and grasp this, if we can just get this in our head and into our heart, uh, we wouldn't be so surprised when those bad things, when those difficult things in life come upon us. You see, faith doesn't lead us around the storm, over the storm. Uh, Biblical, God-fearing, God-honoring faith leads us through the storm. Whose fault was it that is in the storm? It was Jesus' fault. Listen to what the Bible says right here in verse number 22. And straightway Jesus constrained. That means he told them, he commanded them. He compelled his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain to, apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship, what ship? The ship that had the disciples on it. The ship that had the disciples on it that he had told to get on the ship and go to the other side was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. Faith leads a person through the storm, not around it. Have you ever heard that old saying, the safest place to be is in the will of God? Well, you throw that saying out the window because I'm going to tell you something. When you follow Jesus, it ain't safe. Now, I would, I would agree if they would say the most secure place to be is in the will of God. But if we know anything from reading through and studying through the book of Genesis, we ought to know that following God is not the safe place to be. Let's start with old Abel. I mean, Abel wanted to sacrifice to, to God and he was doing everything right and he was following him just, and next thing you know... He's dead. He's been murdered. Well, let's move on a little bit. You got this man called uh, Abraham. Well, let's just, no, let's not go that far. Let's stop at Noah. I mean, you got this man named Noah. The Bible said he was righteous in his generations. And the next thing you know, God calls him to 120 years of being ridiculed, made fun of, looking like some kind of fool building this big old boat when it ain't even rained yet. And he had to spend 120 years of his life of people making fun of him. Why? Because he decided that he was going to follow what God had told him to do. Well, let's go on to move on to old Abraham. Abraham living with his daddy, right? He's 80 years old. It's time to get out of the house finally. God said, Abraham, I want you to follow me. Go on over here into this country. I'm going to show you. And the very next thing he finds himself in a famine and in a tyranny. Well, you can go on down Jacob. When Jacob finally decides to follow God, next thing you know, he finds himself over there getting cheated by his father-in-law, having to work all these extra years to get him a wife. I mean, his father-in-law, even to the point that he ends up running for his life from his father-in-law. Well, let's go on down to where we are right now, Joseph. Well, I'll stop right there. You know the story about old Joseph, do you not? He's in a ditch. He's being killed by his brothers. He finds himself a slave. He's in prison. What I'm saying to you is, is that true faith leads us through the storm, not around the storm. And God is the one who leads us through the storm. Some storms of life just happen. I mean, some of them are caused by our stupidity. I'm quite sure. But sometimes God... Sometimes God has something that he wants to show us and in doing so, he leads us through the storm. Isaiah chapter number 43, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you and through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned and the flames shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. So while we're in the storm, God is trying to detest us to, to deepen our faith. 
we have an enemy that goes to war with us that tells us, hey, this shouldn't be happening to us. And what God's saying to us this morning is I will walk with you even through the valley of the shadow of death. And when you come out on the other side, you won't be the same person that went into that storm. And that's what I'm trying to accomplish in your life. So faith leads us through the storm, not around it. I'd want my Savior to take me around, the, maybe build a bridge, right? Hey, there's some trouble up ahead, Jesus. Why not build a bridge and I'll walk over that thing and I won't get dirty. But God takes me through the storm to show me that His grace is deeper than the waters. It's more powerful than the storm. And even that He is bigger than I thought He was and is. That's why He lets us go. His presence is stronger than the storm. Because faith leads a person through the storm, not around it. Number two, we need to understand something. That Jesus is aware of the storm. He told the disciples to get on this boat, and then the storm comes up. But it did not take him by surprise. You see, the Bible says that in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. It would seem like Jesus said, hey, go on to the other side. And then... He's up there and he looks out over the Sea of Galilee where they are going across that thing said, uh-oh, there's a storm out there. I might better go help them. No, no, no. He knew the storm was going to be arising long before the weather patterns even existed that would cause that storm in the first place. You see, not only does Jesus lead you through the storm, but he's aware of the storm long before you even know the storm's coming. And he's working it all out together for my good, for your good, for the good of those who love him. So what happens here? Jesus sees, he knows the storm. He knew the storm was going to come up even before he told him to get on the boat. And when the storm comes, and at the right time, Jesus goes to the disciples. The Bible says, and when the disciples saw him, Walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is the Spirit. And they cried out for fear. Now, in Mark chapter number 6, there's a parallel passage. It tells the same story, but it's a different person telling it, and it tells it from a little bit different aspect. And it adds in the story of this account in the Gospel of Mark that Jesus meant to pass by them, but they cried out. You see, there's a principle there. Jesus is aware that we're going through a storm, but oftentimes to get his help, we've got to call out and ask him for the help. And so many times we're too proud. I couldn't tell you the times, thousands and thousands of times that I've walked through the doors of these church, or this church and the people of God have come up to me and they say, Keith, pray for my grandchild. Keith, pray for my marriage. Keith, pray for my finances. Keith, pray for my grandma, my grandma, my mama, my daddy, my son, my daughter. All of these situations are life. And then when we get to the end of the service and I say, this altar's open and you can come down here and call on the name of the God of heaven who hears and answers the prayers of his people, they remain seated right where they are and never move. And there's a principle that he's sharing with us here. Yes, he knows we're going through the storm. He's the one that helps us get there so he's trying to teach us something. But oftentimes, if we're going to get his help, We've got to play a part in that thing by calling out to him. And the Bible says here, they cried out for fear. Man, that's amazing to me. They didn't cry out in faith. 
They didn't cry out in belief. They didn't cry out thinking that God was going to calm the storm and the waves would cease. No, they were scared to death and they simply cried out to Jesus. And that tells me something. You don't have to have the, the patience of Job or the faith of Abraham. You just simply have enough uh, faith to believe and call out whether it's in fear, in failure, in sin, whatever it is. When we call out to Jesus, he responds to our cry. So we've got to call out. But I think there's another principle that we can get from this passage of Scripture. And listen to this church. You might ought to get out your pen and write this one down. Jesus is much more concerned about calming the storm in you than the storm around you. Jesus is much more concerned about calming the storm in you than calming the storm around you. Look what the Bible says here. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if thou, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. Jesus, if you'll notice here, didn't fix the problem. I mean, we'd want to say, hey, the disciples cried out in fear and poof, the waves were gone. But that's not exactly what happened, is it? The disciples cried out and Jesus said, hey, I'm here, don't be afraid. And what's he saying to you today? Well, I don't know the situation that you're in, but what I'm certain of this morning is him saying to you, if you'll call out to me, if you'll trust me enough just to uh, cry out uh, unto the Lord, that you can be here and be not afraid and even in the midst of your trouble, be of good cheer. Because he's much more concerned about changing you than he is changing the storm. So what happens here? Peter cries out and then he listens. Maybe that's a good principle for us to follow as we build upon or, or think about this finishing faith is that we need to start calling out but then immediately start listening to what the Lord has to say because there was something there when Peter called out. Jesus didn't calm the storm. Uh, he wanted to work on Peter uh, first. This story is to show us that we continue what we start in faith because What's going on in us is much more important than what's going on around us. So he had to work on Peter just a little bit. So, number three. How does he calm the storm in us? You see, that's what it's all about, about this finishing faith. That's what really where the rubber meets the road. That's where we get to. That's what it boils down to uh, when we talk about starting well and, 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 and finishing well. You see... Jesus wants to calm the storm in us. So here's the lesson he's teaching. That initial faith is not enough. We need finishing faith. Look what he says here. And he said to Peter, come. So Peter answered, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. So Jesus said, Peter, come, and Peter's got the faith to believe. I'm going to tell you something. We badmouth Peter all the time for taking his eyes off the Lord, but Peter was the only one who got out of the boat. Amen? I mean, he saw Jesus, and he had enough faith to believe that, hey, Jesus is here, so uh, uh, I'm going to go to him. Well, but we do know what happens. Peter took his eyes off the Lord, and he began to sink. Uh, <coughs> i got to quit being so loud. I went to a funeral this week, uh, one of the most beautiful funerals that I've ever been to. And uh, using a golfing analogy, 
while I was sitting there listening to those speakers at Dick Ryan's funeral, there was a saying come to me. And uh, a preacher can't help doing that when he's listening to another preacher. He thinks he can do it a little bit better. <laughs> and, uh, you preachers in here know what I'm talking about. And when they was telling the story, uh, Dick Ryan's son-in-law got up, and, and the, the pastors and preachers did an amazing job. But I'm going to tell you what, when his son-in-law got up and spoke, it just, wow, I mean, it fascinated me. I thought while he was speaking, because they talked about Dick loving to play golf, and I thought, you know, it's not how you drive, but how you arrive. Man, is that not, is that not something, that's old golfing saying that's, not how you drive, but when I'm going to say this, it's not that driving's not important. You ain't never going to get to the hole unless you start somewhere and hit that ball and start the hole. I mean, you've got to start the drive somewhere. But in the end, what really matters is that you get the ball in the hole. And they told the story about Dick, and I feel comfortable telling it here now. They told it publicly down there about how he had made just bunches and bunches of money in the furniture industry sold his company and, you know, I guess millions of dollars, I'm not exactly sure. But then through some, the economy and bad investments, ended up losing it all. And how after that happened, he said something like this, I'm going to try to paraphrase and get it pretty close, I'm better off now than I've ever been. I'm happier now than I've ever been. You see, while he had all that money, he was playing golf every Sunday and neglecting the things of God. But once that money, the storm came, it showed him that there's things more important in life than money and what really matters. So from that point on, he began to follow the Lord and finished well. With a testimony, the gospel could be shared. You know, it's hard to share the gospel at somebody's funeral that never received the gospel. It's not that it can't be done, but it's much easier when you can say, this person up here received Christ and lived for him, and you can see the life he lived, and if you want a life like that, follow Jesus. But it's harder when you've got to stand up here and say, this person neglected the Lord and didn't love the Lord and never placed his faith in the Lord, and uh, I know you're here because you love him, but do the opposite of what they did. You see the difference? You see, Peter starts out on this journey well. I mean, he places his faith, he places his trust in the Lord Jesus. But that initial faith of stepping out of the boat was not enough. We need that finishing faith that gets us all the way to the Lord. So we ask ourselves, where do we find that? Where do we find that faith? If you're here this morning and you've made a resolution, you've made a commitment, and maybe you didn't follow through, regardless of what that looks like. Maybe you're not trusting the Lord this morning. What do we do? Where do we find it? Well, when that happened to Peter, the Bible says here, Jesus said, come. He was coming down out of the ship. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. So he called out to the Lord again. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and called him and said, O thou of little faith, where didst thou doubt? And when they were coming into the ship, the wind ceased. So Peter got out there and he began to see the waves and the wind around him. 
that would tell me that if I want to have faith to finish well, then I need to keep my focus on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I know all of this stuff's going to crowd in. There's going to be storms coming. There's, the winds are going to blow. And uh, listen, busyness is going to come and all of that. But when Peter started to sink, he started to fall back. And Jesus said, no, you started this thing. He focused on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, if you take what Jesus said to him and uh, to Peter, when they asked him who he was, the Greek literally is Jesus saying, I am here. The God that created the universe is here for you. And Peter got his eyes back on the great I am. And when he did that, he was standing on top of everything that he was scared of, everything that he was afraid of. But not only did he focus on the person of Jesus, he focused on the command of Jesus. You see, Peter figured that it was more important to obey the command of Jesus than to focus on the circumstances that was going on around him. You could say it something like this. We say Peter walked on the water. But I think a more accurate statement would be that Peter walked on the promises of God. Peter walked on his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he focused on the person of Jesus and when he focused on the command of Jesus, then he was able to rise above the storm and walk where no one else could. And I'm going to tell you something, friends. That will help you finish what you started when you realize that when we focus on him, we can rise above even the storms of life. Psalm 94 says, when I, when I said my foot is slipping, your steadfast love, O Lord, supported me. You see, the point of this story is not to demonstrate Peter's faith, but to demonstrate the goodness and the grace of God. You see, the Bible says, and when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased, and then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. And when they were gone over, they came in the land of the, uh, Genesaret. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all the country and brought unto him all that were diseased. What's that mean? That tells me that when these disciples got on the other side, they said, man, we've seen something that you ain't going to believe. Let me, let me tell, with you, uh, tell you about what we just went through. Let me tell you how Jesus, we were out on, the, out, out on the sea and the storm had come and man, we thought we were in trouble and the next thing you know, he come walking on the water and old Peter got out of the boat and he began to sink and Jesus spoke a word to him and he rose up above the waves and walked on the water and they walked back to the boat and Jesus brought the boat safely to the other side and they began to tell that and people wanted to hear what they had to say and they began bringing the people to the Lord Jesus. You see... That finishing faith is more about God's glory than it is our faith. But I'm going to share something with you this morning, church. This is a hard, hard, hard statement. But if you want to walk on the water, hear me and hear me well, you've got to first get out of the boat. This is not an indictment of anyone. But I think there's a whole lot of people, if they were honest with themselves, would admit that they're sitting in the boat.
and it's time we all got out of the boat and trusted Jesus to get us from where we are to where he wants us to be. Now, that begins with a simple step. I'd love to say Peter long jumped that distance between him and Jesus, but that ain't what happened. It was one step at a time until he got there. He did start to sink, but he began to focus on the Lord Jesus and focus on the command of the Lord Jesus and he rose back up so maybe you're here this morning and yes this distraction's got you and yes this distraction may have pulled you this way and this tragedy of life may have held you back but if you'll simply refocus this morning and and refocus on the person of Christ refocus on the command of Christ you can leave out of this place walking on the water a new person that can sing the praises and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ that'll make a difference in our life and those around us. I can't control all that's going to happen to me. The storms come. People die. People get sick. I can't even tell you what that finish line is going to look like. But one thing I can promise you this morning you do have control over, and that's the starting line. You can choose to cross the starting line today. So if you're here this morning and you never placed your faith or your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, cross that starting line this morning and come by faith and say, Jesus, I don't understand everything and I I, I don't really even know how to live the, the Christian life, but I believe with all of my heart that you died for my sins. So you paid the price. You paid the penalty for my sin. I believe that. I believe on the third day you got up from the grave. And it's not going to be easy and I'm going to need your help and I'm going to fall and I'm going to falter along the way. But I'm going to start the race today following you in faith. I believe if you'll do that then he'll help you take the next step. And the next. Listen, I know way more today than I did the day he saved me. And the more I know also, the less I, the more I know that the less I know, I'm learning every day. It's a journey. He doesn't save us and then automatically we've got a glorified body in heaven. There's a process of him teaching us things. So start that race today. You can control the starting line. Christian, we talked about focusing on Jesus and focusing on the command of Jesus. Well, he's commanded every one of us to find our place of service to him through the people of God in the house of God. That's a command. It's not, that's not uh, something that he gives us a choice at or we can choose to or not. He simply says that every person has been gifted of, for their place of service in the house of God. So maybe you've never crossed that line, uh, that starting line of, of serving him. Well, today's as good a day as any. Start. Cross the Start line. He'll help you finish what you started. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you started this Bible reading plan and man, life just got in the way. You know what I'd do today? I'd publicly come up here and pick one of these things up, hold that thing up close, and I'd say, God, with your help, I'm going to get her right this time. I talked to somebody this week, ain't been in the house of God for years. Said, I know I need to get there, but I'm so ashamed. This person grew up in this church. I told her, I said, let me tell you what to do. Sunday, walk into the house of God. Walk down to that altar. Say, God, forgive me, I messed it up. 
But with your help, I'm going to start doing it right from this day forward. And then I said, stand up and hold your head high because the Bible says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You may have walked in here today sinking into the water, but you can walk out walking on top of the waves if you'll simply place your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not even going to say it. I know God is telling every single person under the sound of my voice something right now something right now that you need to focus on Him, focus on His command, and come and say, Lord, I'm going to do it right and finish it well with your help. So whatever that something is, don't sit where you are. You come and make it and do it, whatever God's commanded you to do. I'll shut up. Thank you, Lord, for giving me a voice this morning when I didn't have one.